0: To explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally, not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin.
1: Welcome to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. This is Dr. Dan. Well, this program, listeners, is for you no matter who you voted for or what political party you belong to. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is not about politics. It's about principle. It's not about candidates. It's about conscience and the Constitution. Like the name implies, this is a program about freedom, your freedom, where it comes from, what it means to you, and most importantly, how to hang on to it.
2: You're listening to part two of two of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum with very special guest
1: Paul Vallone. And so I called both of my senators directly. I got someone in the office. I talked to someone and I made it clear, especially to uh, the Democrat who's up for reelection in 2014, that uh, I said to that staffer who answered the phone, I said, do you want to have a job in 2014? I said, because if you do, you better tell Senator Hagan. That if she votes for any of these gun registrations, if she votes to change the filibuster rule, we are going to dog her every step of her trail, and we will make sure that she does not go back to Washington, D.C. I think a telephone call to a staffer in the office is a very powerful thing. And I hope people do that as well as writing letters. And you know another thing, writing letters to the editor of your local paper, as many as you can, is a very important step. We have to win over, you know, here, I, here in western North Carolina, I mean, gun ownership is, is just part of the norm. As a matter of fact, my county, Cherokee County, North Carolina, we have the highest per capita concealed carry permits in the state of North Carolina. So, really? I didn't know that. Absolutely. And, and our two adjacent counties are number two and number three. So uh, we have gun ownership is very important here. And so it's not hard to convince our county commission, uh, who's definitely going to be passing a, uh, a, a resolution uh, pro-Second Amendment here. Uh, it's not hard to convince. But if we, we have to, so we don't have to convince our population, but the rest of the state in certain areas, in the large population areas, we have to be on the offensive to convince people there why, even if they don't like guns, even if they're afraid of guns, they're safer with one than without one.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to your point on Kay Hagan, it's interesting, uh, because you're right, she's up for a tough fight in 2014, so right now she's doing her best to disguise her stance on gun issues. Kay Hagan, in the state Senate, had only a 62% pro-gun voting record. That's an hour zero to four-star candidate evaluation system. That gets her one star. She had an abysmal record with gun votes. Now she's trying to make herself out as a Second Amendment supporter. When when constituents write her, she tells about her support of the Second Amendment and her hunting tradition in her family. Well, in that case, why did she vote against gun owners? Six, you know, uh, most thirty eight percent of the time when she was in the state senate. What's more, if you read between the lines in one of her in some of her letters that she's sending constituents, um, she's saying she will make sure that their Second Amendment rights are not quote unnecessarily infringed upon. Now, I don't know about you, sir, but I don't recall seeing the words unnecessarily in the Second Amendment. I believe that just says, shall not be infringed,
1: right? Absolutely. And I, I when, as a matter of fact, when I spoke to her staffer, I said, I need you to tell uh, Senator Hagan that as far as we are concerned out here in western North Carolina, there is no unnecessary part in the Second Amendment. The whole thing is necessary, and it means something to us. You know, when you look at the state of North Carolina on a county-by-county basis, the entire state is red, except for a few counties in the Research Triangle, in the area of Charlotte, around Winston-Salem, and the city of Asheville. The rest of the state is a red state. And when it comes to getting our way, we need to mobilize all of those voters who believe in the principles of individual freedom, gun ownership, and the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, we need to be mobilizing them to make sure that they get out and vote.
2: Absolutely correct. And one thing people should be doing right now is they should be, on a friendly basis for for the time being, contacting Speaker Tom Tillis. Tom Tillis has made some statements in the last couple of days that I think are a little bit incongruous with the fact that gun owners helped make sure that this was the only battleground state to repel Obama and give the Republicans a clean sweep virtually throughout the state. Yet Tom Tillis seems to think that moving gun bills is not something he wants to do in this session of the General Assembly. We need to extend our concealed handgun law. We need to make sure that our preemption law that lets uh, that prevents local governments from enacting gun laws stricter than state law, we need to make sure that preemption law has peace. So we have we want to expand concealed carry into restaurants assemblies of people for which admission is charged educational properties uh, and allow employee, employees who uh, are you know go to work to keep guns in locked compartments within, within the within their motor vehicle so they don't have to be def- defenseless all day long simply because they happen to be passing through their workplace
1: you know that's really an important point and I noticed grNC and I, I'm going to I'm again. I'm going to pat you on the back because GRNC was was a crucial part of getting the Castle Doctrine passed in this state. And also, I thank you for getting reciprocity with what is it? Forty-three out of the, out of the fifty states. With the, our uh, at
2: this point, I'm not sure, but it's a lot. Yeah, yes, yeah, so it's probably something on that order.
1: With, uh, for, I think the last I saw was forty-three out of the fifty states, not fifty-seven states, but fifty states. Uh, uh, that, to me, was a very big thing because, you know, we live, I live out here in a tri-state area. I mean, we have Georgia, North Carolina, and Tennessee all coming together out here by Cherokee County. And, uh, you know, it's very easy to cross a state line here just going from one place to the other. Well, having reciprocity is a very, very important thing. Uh, and GRNC was instrumental in, in getting that passed. And I know that you want, and I certainly want, restaurant carry passed. I think that's extremely important. And I think that there is no question that being able to carry a concealed weapon is your protection. I mean, how can you even imagine uh, not being able to do that? You know, you wrote an an article I, that I've been looking at here. It's called Gun-Free and Defenseless. And that is about uh, college campuses where... Um, you know, if you're, you're not allowed to carry, how easy is it for a criminal to come onto a college campus to know for sure that there'll be no opposition in any way to anything they do on a college campus? Because there are no well, one
2: guns things, Exactly right. One of the interesting things we see is if you look at the, uh, the rate of victimization, you know, the number of people that are killed or wounded in, in school killings over the years, um, the first significant one, I believe, was 1966 uh, in Texas. And the rate of, of killings and woundings in schools up to 1996 was about 4.3 victims per year. After 1996, it increased by five fold to 22, almost 23 victims per year. Ninety-six, the passage of the federal gun-free school zones act. The gun-free school zones act had actually been enacted earlier without much fanfare in 1989, I believe it was, but was struck down by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional in U.S. versus Lopez. So, with great fanfare in 1996, Congress tweaked the language supposedly to make it constitutional. I still have my doubts, and then repassed it once again and. So it's such that uh, for most people, it bans firearms within a thousand feet of a school. Surprise, the school killings began in earnest. Why? Because violent sociopaths know that these, in these places, they can kill with impunity because the victims will not be armed. We have to take a quick commercial break right here on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Don't go anywhere.
1: We've got more after this. It's also true for home invasions. The same thing. If you know, I mean, these criminals do not want to get shot at. I mean, getting shot at is an occupational hazard for a criminal, isn't it? So if they know a house is unarmed, they know they're not going to get shot at. So they're going to choose that house. And so that's why... Uh, this this business in New York where, where that the newspaper advertised where the guns were in, in the, those counties up in, in the areas just north of New York City. You know, uh, basically they're saying, you know, these people have guns, so don't go there. If you want an easy time of it, go to the houses that are unarmed. You know, I've, some of my favorite uh, signs have sprung up in the last few weeks, and one of them is a sign uh, in front of uh, a home that said, uh, my home is, we are, we are armed, uh, and we will protect our home. My neighbor uh, does not believe in guns. He does not have any, any guns, and so I promise uh, I will not use my gun to protect him if you decide to rob him, you know. Uh, and there's a, there was a sign in Virginia. It says you're now entering the Commonwealth of, of Virginia. There are over 200,000 Patriots here with concealed, with concealed carry permits who own guns and are willing to defend their homes and their lives. Uh, the states of uh, the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia have been disarmed for your convenience. But <laughs> well, that really goes right to it. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, criminals don't want to get shot at. That's a risk. That's risk of the trade, and they want to reduce their risk. But that's what you wrote about in this, in this gun-free and defenseless.
2: Yes, and uh, what's more, we should note that that doesn't just apply to criminals who tend to be rationally motivated. But of course, the media would have you believe that uh, that this won't deter, you know, the sociopaths because they're they're suicidal anyway. They're they're not responding to rational incentives. Well, yes, they are responding to rational incentives. They know that they want to be famous. They want their their, their face on the front of Newsweek. They want to be infamous forever by having killed X number of people. Well, guess what? If they know that, that going to this particular location will meet armed resistance and that it will not only fail but die, then they're going to be deterred from doing that. And John Lott and William Landis did research on multiple victim public homicides, and they determined that the only effective deterrent to these sorts of, of mass killings was the adoption of concealed hangout laws. More recently, John Lott, I think it was in National Review Online, pointed out that of the mass killings, four or more victims, since, I believe, 1950 in the United States, all but one occurred in areas where guns were prohibited. You know, one exception was uh, Gabrielle Giffords in Arizona. Beyond that, all of these other mass shootings and mass killings have taken place in, uh, in places where guns are prohibited.
1: Let me ask you a, a question. For instance, you're familiar with the theater shooting, the Batman theater shooting in Aurora, Colorado. What do you think would have happened is when, if, when he came in the back door and raised his, his gun up? What do you think would have happened if one armed person had stood up and taken a shot at him? What do you think would have happened?
2: Even if, the, uh, even if he wasn't uh, shot, frankly, he would have desisted. He probably would have left the theater. Or he might have, uh, in many cases, as soon as these people meet armed resistance, as I believe occurred, and I'm forgetting what the new organ... Recently, where uh, they encountered an armed uh, you know, citizen and just killed themselves. Right then and there. Okay, well, that's a lot
1: of trouble. Yeah, and I, and I agree with you. And I think people who people say, the, 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 the gun grabbers say that if there had been someone armed, that there had been more carnage. I disagree vehemently. People who come in like that to a gun-free zone expect no resistance whatsoever. Someone stands up and takes one shot at them, and their entire plan disintegrates on the spot, and they don't have any option to keep on shooting because most of them right. don't, they don't intend yes, to die.
2: Sir, I completely agree.
1: Well, and so yes, one other thing, just about uh, one of the one of the objections that the gun grabbers say is that when the Second Amendment was written, that uh, The weapon of choice was the musket, uh, and that therefore the AR-15 doesn't count because the the uh, framers of the Constitution could not have envisioned uh, an AR-15. What do you say to people like that?
2: Oh, that's just wrong at so many levels. Uh, Right right from the fact that the framers were talking about militia-type weapons that were in use at the time. Okay, and by the way, in uh, U.S. versus Miller in 1939, that is exactly how they define militia-type weapons. No, it doesn't mean a nuclear weapon. And, you know, those that try to torture the argument, well, why can't I have a nuclear weapon? No, it means of a, uh, arms of a kind of use in, a use, kind in common use of the time. But even beyond that, the fact is the AR-15 is not especially lethal firearms. You know, these so-called assault weapons, and then, by the way, the name assault weapon, was created by the gun control movement in order to confuse the public between semi-automatic and fully-automatic firearms. Uh, it's, I'm sure your audience is probably more aware of this than some, but semi-automatic firearms deliver one shot per depression of the trigger, just like a revolver, just like any hunting shotgun, just like a bolt-action rifle, just like any other gun. They are not machine guns that will continue to fire when the, as long as the trigger is pressed. So they've tried to confuse the public between these, uh, these semi-automatic and fully-automatic firearms, and instead, they're going after simply banning features. Now, Diane Feinstein's uh, bill is particularly insidious because it would ban not only does it ban guns by name, but it bans guns by guns by one feature type. Uh, you know, the features would include things like pistol grips, or uh, adjustable stocks, barrel shrouds, uh, foregrips, uh, and that sort of thing. And if you look at the feature test in many cases it also for, for example most people don't realize and i have gotten believe it or not my rate emails from gun owners probably concealed handgun permit holders who think their their gun is just fine but you know they why should we have these nasty old assault weapons well i got news for them they want to defend themselves with a glock or a beretta or any number of other semi automatic pistols those guns will be banned under this bill why because there are fully automatic versions of those firearms. And that and the single feature test under uh, under Diane Feinstein bill includes any handgun that has a fully automatic Corolla. It would be banned. So Glock makes the Glock 18. That's fully automatic. So Glock 17, 19, and variants would be banned. Beretta makes a 93R, which is a fully automatic weapon. Therefore, the Beretta 93 and its variants would be banned. Um, people don't realize that, you know, I have a, uh, a Ruger uh, 1022 rifle, a little 22 flanking rifle, um, done with a nice free floated barrel. It's a very accurate gun. It would be banned as, as an assault weapon under Diane Feinstein's bill because it's got a detachable magazine and a thumb hole stop. That's how insidious this legislation is.
1: Well, I think that you've articulated, Paul, uh, very, very well what we all need to be aware of, and most importantly, we need to all become very, very active because protecting our gun rights is really protecting our freedom. That's what separates us from tyranny. As long as the population is armed, we will not have tyranny. Once, once guns are banned, then unfortunately, then we are susceptible. And that is what happened time and time again around the world When you disarm people, when you disarm groups of people, they become victims because they cannot defend themselves. So, Paul Vallone of GRNC, it has been an incredible pleasure, a great discussion. Thank you for being on Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum.
2: Dr. Dan, thank you very much, sir, and uh, we appreciate that. Once again, you're exactly right. They should go to grnc.org. We appreciate it, sir.
1: Thank you.
0: Was. and people, I just love to hear that old man sing. Wait. Yeah, when I play the Hoochie Coochie Man,
1: I get joy in everything, everything, everything. Yeah. Everything gonna be all right this morning <laughs>